0: Virginia Bell had a long, lengthy marriage. And they were known for doing almost everything together. Towards the end of her life, Dr. Bell had to care for her. And one day, his daughter, Ruth Graham, walked into her parents and found them at the back in the bedroom. And there was her dad on his knees, putting the stockings on his wife. When she saw him there, it brought tears to her eyes, but he said, You know, you know that the greatest privilege of my life is taking care of your mother. See, love, true love, sees service as a privilege. And from this passage of scripture, true love is measured in self-giving. True love is measured in self-giving. Not what do we take, not what do we gain, but what do we give is the measure of true love. And so, three things that I think the Apostle Paul and God want us to know this morning. Notice that love is for the totality of life. What do I mean by that? You see, in these first three verses, Paul takes the sum of life, man's deeds, what he can do in three different areas. And basically, he says, if you do those great things, but you don't have and exercise true love, it's worthless. He's saying that life without true love is really empty. You see, but the love he's talking about here, he said, we're supposed to have God's kind of love towards one another. It's agape love. It's always self-giving love. It's always wanting the best for the other instead of worried about self. It's a picture of Jesus on the cross. and. Paul divides this totality of life into three areas. The first one, verse 1, is deeds of power. Deeds of power, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. You see, the word there, a clanging brass or a clanging cymbal, means a harsh sound, a... uh, uh, how do I don't want to say it? It means a sound without any kind of harmony. So what he's saying is you can go through life and you can speak with the tongues of men and angels. You can really be a great orator. But if you're not practicing love as you do it, it's hollow. It, it brings no harmony to your life or other lives. And he's calling on us to examine, are we in harmony with God? Now I want to make something very clear. The first step in being in harmony with God accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But the second step is just as important, and that is surrendering your life and living for Him on a daily basis. And that helps us have harmony with men and harmony with God, and we're not a clanging brass or a noisy cymbal. Then he says deeds of knowledge in verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wonderful. And all knowledge. And though I have all faith. So that I could remove mountains. Amen. But I have not love. I am nothing. You see he. Includes knowledge here, and if you notice, it's, it's knowledge that we seek out to find. It's, it, it's knowledge that we have by experience, because there is a different kind of knowledge. There's head knowledge, book knowledge, and there's experiential knowledge. You know it by experience. But there's also a third type of knowledge, and that which is revealed by God. Faith. Wonder-working faith. And he says, any of those knowledges that we may have, any of these gifts... That we may use, if we use them without god 's kind of love, we are nothing. See a lot of people try to make a mark in life by some great deed of knowledge. I know this, I know that we pass on this or we pass on that. I want to tell you something. The only mark we 're really going to make in life is how did we love others the way Jesus loved us if you're going to leave a heritage. Or inheritance for your children and grandchildren, for your neighbors. It should be, man, that guy or that lady practiced Jesus kind of love. See, it'd make us pause through life. And, and the question really is, in what I'm doing, am I doing what Jesus would do? But he goes to a third thing. He says, deeds of charity. You see, look at this. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Wow. And though I give my body to be burned. Ooh. But I have not love, it profits me nothing. See, a lot of people think that their good deeds give them some kind of special favor with God. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but by me, good deeds don't count. Are you hearing me? Until after you accept Christ, and then he marks them down for your heavenly rewards. If I don't have that, it profits me nothing. He's talking about the totality of life lived with God's kind of love. The story is told of an orphan. And she rebelled so often that they just sort of shipped her from one orphanage to another as soon as they could get rid of her. Because she had no social graces. She had no friends. She was hostile to all forms of authority. One day as as they were playing in the yard, the orphans were playing there at the orphanage, they saw the little girl run over and as high as she could reach up in a tree limb, reaching over the sidewalk, she put a little note. That was strictly forbidden. You contact the wrong kind of people there at the orphanage, outside the orphanage. And two of the little girls that had sort of been antagonized ran over there and they got the note as soon as she left. They were going to use it to blackmail her do her chores and things of that nature. And and when they opened the note and read it, it sort of made them step back. Because on the note, she wrote these words to whoever finds this, I love you. What was the little girl needing? see, she didn't need all these things, deeds of power, deeds of knowledge, deeds of charity. She needed an expression of love. Where you may not be able to affect people, where you are not able to reach their hearts, where you can't do other things to help them. The one thing that will impress them more than anything else is, do you love like Jesus loves? Do you live your life in such a way that, that those around you know that you belong to Jesus by the way you love? Isn't that what he said? This is a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved to you. By this all men shall know that you are my disciples. Now I'm going to get a little personal. If that's the truth, then why are so many Baptist churches known for fighting and fussing? Because if you want a really bad experience, have a bad business meeting in a Baptist church and it usually boils down to money. Not somebody's doctrine is wrong. Not somebody's doing this or that, some kind of sin. But money. Baptists will fight over money before they'll fight over doctrine. It should be just the opposite. Y'all are getting awful quiet, so I guess I better get off that horse. My 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 wife is looking down, like please don't say anything else. (laughs) That's always my sign to move on. Either that, or when she turns bright red and I realize I've messed up somehow. But see, we need to ask: the talents and abilities, the gifts that we have been given, are we using them in love? The words that we have, are we saying them in love? The charity that we do, are we doing it in love? If not, the totality of life is empty. Amen. Unfulfilling. If you're wanting a challenge, you want to make your mark, you want to have something satisfying in your life, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and live for Him because it makes make all the difference in the world. The second thing that I see here is the truth about love. Let's look at verses 4 through 7 again. The, the truth about love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ever fails so what's he talking about here what's the truth you see I want you to understand in these three verses Paul uses 15 verbs did you get that three verses with 15 verbs about love now here's what that means love is not static it's not just saying I love you it's active showing I love you does that make sense and the way a church is known in the community is do we love our community? And how do we show that? And there are various ways we try to do that at Gasville through some of the ministries. But you see, why are we always bringing up new things, more things, more things? Because our love needs to be expressed to a community that is dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. So he starts off. What love does not do. Their church and our church and Christians day me reminded that love does not do several things. He says love does not envy. In other words, we're not jealous when somebody else has something good happen to them. Or when they're blessed in a special way. We're not jealous of that and thinking that should have been me, God. I'm better than they are. No, we're not jealous. We rejoice with them. Love does not boast. Well, look what I've done. Uh-huh. Nope, love doesn't do that. Love does not parade itself, and parade itself means self-exaltation, that we've always got to be in the limelight, and we want everybody to know what we've done. Love doesn't do that. Love does a lot of things just quietly. Love is not puffed up, and that means you're not arrogant, but it also means I'm not self-serving, and I don't do things that are going to help me just because it's going to help me. That's self-serving. Love does not behave rudely, and I I don't think I need to really define that for you. We've all seen love behave rudely. It's not true love. Love does not seek its own. In other words, seek its own means to gain an advantage in the Greek. We do something, and, and it's sort of a ministry, but we do it to gain advantage. Whether it's influence or we've got something on the person, they owe us one, however you want to describe it. Love is not provoked. In other words, I'm not exasperated to the point of defeat. You ever been exasperated with somebody? Women, do not look at your husbands. (laughs) Some of you did it anyway. What's the deal? I warned them and they still looked over there like, He's been talking about you, buddy. Love thinks no evil. What, What does that mean, love thinks no evil? Here's what it means in the Greek. That's one. That's two. Get to three, you're in trouble. We don't keep score. We don't keep an account. We get upset with somebody and we bring up everything that's happened in the last five years. No. That's not love. Amen. You know that old saying, an elephant never forgets? Whoever wrote that wasn't married. I'll let you figure, figure that one out, okay? <laughs> My wife says, go on. <laughs> Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Here, here's what that means. I don't want to rejoice when I hear something evil about somebody. Or that something bad happened to them. Somebody said, say, did you hear about so and so? No. Well, can you believe what they did? I said, I don't believe it unless they tell me they were guilty of it. I know that person. Otherwise, I'm rejoicing in iniquity and sin. Everybody go, (laughs) well. That's what love doesn't do. What does love do? Love suffers long. Do you know that word suffers long is always used in relation to another person? There's a reason for that. My wife suffers long. You can say amen, okay? She does. (laughs) Love is kind. I figured out that that's uh, something hard to do. To be loving when somebody is mistreating you. But isn't that what Jesus said? Love those who mistreat you and abuse you. Now, I'm going to say that, but I want to make something very clear. Hear me. Ladies, in an abusive relationship... Don't have to be kind. They have to get out. Did you hear me? Okay. And if you need help with that, see me after church. Love rejoices in the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. So we rejoice in Jesus and the truth of the gospel that he came according to God's mercy and God's grace. He lived a perfect life. He spread his arms and died on the cross in my place and in your place. And he rose the third day. And then after 40 days, he ascended to heaven with the promise, I'm coming back for you. Do we rejoice in that? That colors our days. Love bears all things. It doesn't just mean to endure, but it means to cover. Isn't that what James said? I think it was James when he said, Love covers a multitude of sins. With forgiveness. Love believes all things. Not gullible, but looking for the best in people. In other words, I believe people have the best in them until God brings something out that makes me wonder, Where did that come from? I found out something in my life. If you expect the best of people, you usually get the best of people. If you treat them like you want to be treated, they'll treat you the same way. Very few people actually take advantage of that. Some do, but that's between them and God. My part is to believe all things and look for the best. Love hopes all things. It hopes all things. I'm looking forward to the day when there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more tears. I'm looking forward today to see my mama again. To see my in-laws again. To see my grandmother again. I can just keep going on. To see those faithful saints that God has blessed me to be able to pastor. And to see them in heaven in all of its glories. And to see my Savior and fall at his feet. And just say, thank you. That's hope. Love endures all things means steadfast. It's a positive attitude of faith. And we need to ask, do we love like that? You see, the truth about love is, it's not static. It's active. It's deeds also. Mother Teresa, May not always agree with her theology, but I agreed with her love. Here's what she said about it. She said, we can do no great things. And living like she lived, I thought that was a great thing. But she said, we can do no great things, but we can do small things with great love. Amen. Isn't that what Jesus meant when he said, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Wow. What a truth about love. And we need to examine our love for God, our love for each other, our love for our families, our love for our community. And see, are we doing those great things? Or those little things with great love? Well, what's the last thing? See, we have the totality of life, the truth about love, and the timelessness, timelessness of love. Timelessness. I'll try to say that real fast. It's in verses 8 through 13. And in verses 8 through 13, what Paul is doing, he 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 compares the temporary with the eternal. Okay. What what does he have to say? He starts out by saying the permanency of love. Verse 8 says, love never fails. The word there means to suffer ruin, to collapse. You see, relationships in life are supposed to be built on that type of love. I'm not in love anymore. If you're not in love anymore, according to the Bible, you never were. Or you haven't been practicing agape love. But you see... What's really neat about that is the timelessness of love. Our relationship with Christ is based on eternal love. And we don't have to worry about tomorrow or him changing that. Then he says, love's absolute completeness in verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm also known. See, our mirrors are pretty good at reflecting the image. Uh, I try to avoid mirrors as much as possible. Uh, that's the truth. It's like taking your picture. Ooh. Just the opposite. Uh, when they were little, and even when they're bigger, Rachel and Matthew can't go by a mirror without looking. And that's the truth, isn't it, Lizzie? And somehow, Rebecca's child that should have been Matthew's child. Mason does the same thing. He walks by. He sticks his hand in his pockets. He looks himself over. He smiles and he goes on happy with what he saw. But see, in Paul's day it wasn't that way because mirrors weren't polished the way they are now. And everything was distorted. And so you'd see dimly. You might get a little bit of representation, but not then. But he says, then there's no mirrors. We see face to face. We're known as we are known. That's what love does for us. It's complete. It's complete. And then he stresses love's absolute supremacy in that last verse. One of the most famous verses in the Bible. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Faith abides. Our relationship with Christ is based on faith. It abides. Hope abides. We're going to participate with God as I've said before. In his eternal kingdom. Hallelujah. But love abides. For where God is love is now I want you to think about this little statement I wish I had thought of it you know God cannot said to have exercised faith have you ever thought about that? God don't have to have faith he can do what he wants, he's God whatever he purposes is going to be done God has never said to have hope why? because he don't have to hope he brings it to pass But God has exercised love. He sent Jesus down a cross in my place and your place. Wow. And he still exercises it today. In our busy hectic lifestyles, I I read this story and I've shared this before with y'all, but I'm going to share it again. In Japan, they have an interesting business. The business is rent a family. Several Japanese have gotten so busy with their work that they don't have time to visit with their elders. They want to respect their elders. And the, guy, the lady who did this, her boss used to have different people in the company go by and visit his parents because he didn't have time. And so she started this business. And you can call, and, and I can't say the name, but it's the Japanese Effectiveness Headquarters is what it translates into English. And here's what it is. You can call up the Japanese Effectiveness Headquarters and say, I need a visit from a son. Or I need a visit from a daughter. Or I need a visit from a grandchild. And in just a little bit, they'll come ring your doorbell, act like they had not seen you forever, hug you, talk to you. They'll eat lunch with you. They'll spend three hours of you that afternoon just visiting. I said, wow, what an idea. Of course, it's not cheap. It costs around $1,800 for those three hours. And people pay it. Why? She said this. What is common about our clients is that they are thirsty for human love. Do you realize we live in a land that's free and blessed? As Brother Ronnie says, we live in a land in the best part, in the best county. And because of the people, you're going, if not the best church, at least one of the best churches in that county. Because of the people. But we live in the midst of darkness. Darkness. People needing to discover God's love. If we don't share that, who is going to share that? Because the world is dog eat dog. The world is dark place. The world runs from the light of Jesus because their deeds are evil. Isn't that what he said? And we need to take the light out of here and share it out there aren't you glad that when we needed love God didn't call the effectiveness bureau but instead clothed himself in human flesh in the form of Jesus and came and said I love you this much would you bow your heads and close your eyes We're going to have our invitation time. Everybody says, oh, we always have an invitation. I don't like invitations. Well, what's the purpose of sharing God's word if you're not going to ask people to respond? What are your responses and the options? Some of you know. You've been told about Jesus. You've been witness to. You, you know Jesus is real. And yet, for some reason, you're still dragging. For some reason, you just don't want to turn it over. And this morning he says, I love you. And you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You come forward. He'll meet you in the aisle or grab somebody's hand beside you. And I'll show you how to do that from Scripture. And you can pray to receive Christ this morning. What a joyous experience. Some need to come and put their life in work here. You've been visiting this church and visiting this church. And we're so glad to have you. But you need to put your life in work. We need you. God needs you here. So you need to join by baptism from other denominations. Or because you've never been baptized. Or by statement. You believe as we believe but you can't remember where your membership is. Or by a letter from another church of like faith and order. Some need to come in rededication. Some need to turn over their burdens. I'm going to pray. And then you're going to stand. And then you come. Father. This is your time. It's holy time because we feel you here among us. Have your way with us. Move freely. Don't let us quench, quench your Holy Spirit. The Lord, you move and let us respond. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.